As of 2019, 1% to 3%, it's really 09 to 2.9%, but 1% to 3% of men in the United States are on TRT. That's as of 2019. I would expect that to have increased since then. As of 2017, testosterone prescriptions had increased 500% since 1993. So approximately 25% of men who receive TRT are not tested prior to treatment. So despite the increase in diagnosis and prescription of testosterone replacement, 25% of men who receive TRT are not tested prior to treatment. Of those tested, approximately 30% of men who get on it have no indication. So they either are not symptomatic or they do not meet the clinical level of biomarker that um, the AUA recommends uh, under 300 nanograms per deciliter of, of testosterone, of total testosterone. So uh, they're missing one of those two criteria. Of those treated, about half don't have their levels checked after therapy starts. So uh, despite a large percentage of men who receive TRT reporting subjective increases in well-being, whether that's uh, sex drive, basically the inverse of any of the symptoms that I'll go over in a second, um, the vast majority of them, or, or about half, don't have their levels checked after uh, therapy starts, excuse me. So uh, the percentages are even lower in the military in 2017 of active duty male service members who received TRT less than half met AUA guidelines for receiving treatment. And that's the uh, American Urology uh, uh, Association. So American Urological Association, AUA, thank you. So we have a rapid increase in the number of men who are getting on this treatment. And we also simultaneously have men who are uh, as a result of the increase in prescription, in, in part, I, I would imagine that the, the number of men who are not tested prior to treatment or who are asymptomatic or who are not meeting uh, the biomarker of under 300 nanograms per deciliter and still getting on treatment, uh, that's it, it, a lot of things impacting that. And so without going into why that is, that those are just some simple figures on testosterone replacement therapy, therapy in the United States. So what are the clinical guidelines for treatment? So the clinical guidelines for treatment are two separate tests, both early morning. Uh, these are blood tests. And then as far as the biomarker, you need a total testosterone below 300 nanograms per deciliter. And you need to be symptomatic. So it's not enough to get tested once and have under 300 nanograms per deciliter. You need two separate tests, both early in the morning that are below 300 nanograms per deciliter, and you need to be symptomatic. So even if you have the two tests, if you're not showing any symptoms, then the AUA recommends that you stay away from TRT. Okay, so you need both the biomarker and the symptoms. The thing about symptoms, anybody can self-report them. So the symptoms are fatigue, reduced energy, reduced endurance, diminished physical performance, loss of body hair, reduced lean muscle mass, obesity, depressive symptoms, cognitive dysfunction, reduced motivation, poor concentration, poor memory, irritability, reduced sex drive, and reduced erectile function. So long list, long list of symptoms. And when you have a longer list of symptoms like that, it makes it easier to identify with any of those symptoms. So by extent, you know, because testosterone does influence a lot of things, we are creating this long list of symptoms and making it very easy for males to 
identify with any one of those symptoms when a lot of those are it, it, in vast majority of cases uh, can be remedied with some sort of lifestyle or nutritional intervention or exercise intervention. Uh, when we create a long list of symptoms like that, and then we use words like condition or progressive or have low testosterone as if it's a disease, uh, which it isn't, uh, then um, you uh, can kind of see that as part of the recipe for why diagnoses and prescriptions are on the rise, at least in America. So some other things that AUA recommends before you jump on TRT. AUA also recommends to measure luteinizing hormone, LH, and LH is just something that your pituitary gland secretes to signal the testes to produce testosterone. So if your pituitary gland is not secreting luteinizing hormone or is not, not producing enough of it, then the testes won't get the signal. So you could your, your testes could be totally capable of producing testosterone, but if they're not getting the signal from the pituitary gland, then they won't produce testosterone. So if you have a like really squared away, <laughs> pardon my military language, if you have a really competent healthcare provider, then hopefully they will check luteinizing hormone before just like increasing testosterone. Because when you throw exogenous hormones into the mix, then you shut down endogenous production in most cases. Uh, most people experience that. It depends on how much you're dosing, uh, how you dose it, so the frequency of the dosing, and then how long you dose it for in like calendar months. So those are all factors that influence endogenous production, but we do know that if you are taking exogenous hormones, then it tends to not do great things for, uh, well, not to moralize it, but it tends to shut down endogenous production or not shut down, but it tends to diminish endogenous production. So that is something to be aware of also before you get on it. If your luteinizing hormone is low, then the AUA also recommends that you check prolactin, estradiol. So there are other hormones that you can look at if you suspect that you have low testosterone and say you even get a blood test and you do have low testosterone. Before you go jump on TRT, then there could be a higher order hormone that you are low or high in that if you remedy that, which could preserve your natural production of testosterone and increase your free testosterone and your total testosterone without getting on TRT. So there are, there are alternatives to just jumping on TRT. Um, if you're just walking into your local low T clinic, uh, I don't know what the likelihood is that these guidelines are going to be followed. Um, they're just guidelines, like I said. So if you walk into your clinic, and according to one like secondhand source that I was listening to, you can walk into a TRT clinic and you can get 200 milligrams injected once every two weeks, which is super different than getting 50 nanograms twice a week. So, um, or not nanograms, but um, milligrams, excuse me. So, uh, so major difference there. And in dosing, in timing of the dose, and then in how that affects endogenous production, and then how that affects the actual organ of your testes. So you really want to consult someone who is working with individuals on this before you even consider going to a place like that. Um, 
I also have notes here on just language from a local low T clinic website. So I went to their website and some of the language, 40% of older men have low T. Waiting to seek help can lead to the late detection and worsening of these progressive conditions. So a lot of scary medical language inside of that. And I say scary because you're saying have, meaning it is something that is totally outside of your control. You're not able to influence it with your lifestyle. It's something that you have. And yet in the same sentence, we're saying 40% of older men have this. So if 40% of a particular population has something, I think we need to look at the classification of whether or not that is a legitimate diagnosis or if that's a money grab. To me, that's a money grab. You can't say that 40% of a population of older men, especially a population of that size, like they're basically saying 40% of men say like over 40. They say they're ambiguous about it, right? Because it's they, they don't want to tell you the exact figures, but 40% of older men have low T. They're just trying to get to the biggest percentage number possible so that you can group yourself inside of that and feel like you're not alone in this. When in reality, the truth is that one to 3% of men in the US are on TRT. So you are in a very small minority if you get on it. It's as of 2019, so it's probably maybe a little bit higher now, but it's not like, it's probably not beyond like 10%. I would be shocked if it was beyond 10%. Okay, so 40% of older men have low T. I just wanna like look at that critically because that's uh, that to me is a ridiculous statement. It's a it's an absolutely ridiculous statement. Um, it's like you know, it's the same thing with degenerative disc disease uh, D three. Like you take that and it's like, okay, if you're gonna say that your if your discs are this small or if your spine is this subluxated, then you have a condition. And it's like, no, you don't have a condition. That's just how humans age. And it's totally fine. So 40%, 40% of older men have low T. Okay, we need to look at that critically. Waiting to seek help can lead to the late detection and worsening of these progressive conditions. So again, we're saying something is wrong with you. We're saying it will get worse if you don't come to us and let us fix you and pay us a lot of money or bill your insurance to let us fix you and late detection and worsening. Oh my gosh, late detection as if there's, there's something to detect, there's something wrong and you need a detective agent to see that it is wrong. Boy, so, okay, so th that's all my notes, but I will just give my unadulterated uh, opinion on this. I see, gym membership in the United States at maybe 10%, maybe 10%. So one to 3% on TRT and rising 500% increase in prescriptions since 1993. So incredible increase there and not a proportional increase in apparently in lifestyle behaviors, at least measured by gym membership, which is an indicator of how much we're exercising at the population level. So I see that as problematic. I see that as problematic because exercise is superior, period. Uh, everyone knows that uh, not only do you stand to increase your blood biomarkers, whether it's testosterone or any other blood biomarker, but you're also learning skills that will help you in life. And so 
Are there people who can't exercise who would benefit from getting on TRT? Sure. But if you can exercise, you can move, it's good to find a reason to do that because you're going to learn a lot of skills and you're going to stand to increase your blood biomarkers, assuming your lifestyle is supportive of the exercise. Um, so I see that as a problem. And I also see lifestyle behaviors on average in America. I see on average in America, just some, uh, some statistics. It's something like two to four hours of television consumed each day. It's of those 10% who do have gym memberships, very few are using their gym memberships, which is an indicator of how much we're exercising at the population level. Also, there is an increase in home gyms. And uh, however, um, I'm not super optimistic about that figure. And number of sleep, I think hours of sleep, last time I checked on average, Americans is under seven hours. So, which is deprived, that's like, I don't know if that's clinically deprived, but it is deprived, biologically deprived, 100%. So uh, certainly not optimal. So so I look at that, I, I look at, okay, we don't have gym memberships, we're not exercising, we're not moving, we're consuming all this television, we are not sleeping, and we're wondering why our blood biomarkers are bad or are like not what they could be. And then our solution to that is to use a topical solution or an injection and exogenously deliver that hormone, which shuts down endogenous production and results in the atrophy of the organ that produces that hormone over time. Again, depending on how you dose it, how much you use it, what else you use along with it, et cetera. So uh, this to me is not a good recipe for, uh, I think we can do better as far as at the population level, a recipe for population health and population vitality. And yes, you can look at the 70% of men who get on TRT, who 70% of whom self-report improvement in their symptoms and celebrate that and be like, Hey, look, we got this thing. Like we treat the hormones and everything gets better. And that's cool. That's great for people who need it. So if you're not one of those people who need it, meaning if you have less than two tests that were early in the morning and that were both below 300 nanograms per deciliter and you're asymptomatic or you're asymptomatic and and your lifestyle is perfect. That's what I would add to that because line 21 of the AUA of their, their whole guidelines on TRT, it's all the way down at 21. So they say like 20 things and then they at 20 line 21, they say lifestyle modifications as a treatment strategy. <laughs> and I just laugh at that because it's like such lip service. It is like the weakest, most like limp, lip service to lifestyle modifications. It's line 21, they say 20 other things and then they say, and then it's literally, okay, so like how do we go through behavior change with individuals? How should I talk about behavior change with my healthcare provider? What behaviors do I need to change? How about 
like any mention of exercise or any mention of sleep or any mention of no, there's no, there's no mention of that. It's just like lifestyle modifications because we know we have to say that in order to like keep our integrity, but really we're just going to like spew for like pages and pages and pages about like how to manage patients who are on this stuff. And so, yeah, guys, um, that, that's what I would say are the three criteria. So to use the AUA's criteria, two separate tests early in the morning, both below 300 nanograms per deciliter plus symptoms plus perfect lifestyle. <laughs> so eight to nine hours of sleep a night, 50 to 60% of your body weight in ounces of water, three real food meals per day, exercise, move every day, plus uh, some sort of vigorous exercise. If you have all of that and it's still not working for you, okay, okay, maybe. Um, but that's a lot fewer people than are actually using the stuff, uh, it would seem to me. And because it's become so popular, it's become such like a popular, popular health topic is hormones and biomarker optimization. And so these clinics are popping up and it's just like minimum barrier to entry to, to get you replacing the hormones exogenously. And I think there's probably second and third order consequences of that, that we're not even aware of now. Like we know about the atrophy of the organs and we know about the dramatic diminishing of the endogenous production. So we know that, and that's a really high cost. So, especially if you're a young person, especially if you want to reproduce in the future. So just some considerations guys, if you're thinking about TRT.